to Law, Life and Culture with Betsy Kim on WNHH LP 103.5 FM. Hello, I'm Betsy Kim and welcome to Law, Life and Culture that's on 103.5 FM and WNHH and on the New Haven Independence Facebook Live. So now I want you to take a few seconds and think to yourself, what job would be the lowest on your list of desirable jobs what you would just never want to do. Uh, uh, you know, I... Oh, no, not you. I'm talking to the audience okay. now for... If, if the audience can just think for 10 seconds or so what job they would never want to do. Okay. To be honest, I've asked a handful of friends and no one said prostitution. I think that's because people think of things that they could imagine doing. And for many people, that is so well beyond even consideration that it's not even something that comes to mind. And many deem what's called the oldest profession in the world as so even beyond what they can think of as the worst profession in the world. But today, Beatrice Codiani, the executive director of SWAN, the Sex Workers and Allies Network, joins us to talk about those who do toil away in the sex industry. Beatrice, welcome to Law, Life, and Culture. Thank you for having me. Well, Beatrice, can you first respond to my introductory thoughts and address whether you feel prostitution is ever really a career choice or is it just victimization? Okay, first of all, we don't use the word prostitution or prostitute. We say sex work um, because prostitution is such an ancient uh, word and now we rather, and sex, sex work is real work. So, so we use that word. But to answer your question, um, repeat it again, please. Do you, with, can you respond to my introductory thoughts that people, many people don't even consider it like a career just because it's beyond what they would consider right. as, you know, feeling it, it would be the worst profession in the world. And do you think that it is you know, the worst profession in the world or just a matter of victimization? I think it's, uh, I, I don't make judgments of people who are doing it, so I don't want to say it's the worst because most of the women that, and, and there's men out there, that we work with um, are doing it for economic reasons. And um, it's, it's a terrible job and there's a lot of uh, stigma attached to it and there's a lot of violence and fear so it, it's, it's pretty bad, yeah. So your organization, SWAN, on its website says it's devoted to protecting the human rights of people involved in sex work. Can you explain more what that means? It means that it's work, it's real work, and we try to um, help the women and men who are experience violence almost on a daily base, basis and discrimination in housing and jobs because once you're arrested, that's on your record. And if they do a background check, you're less likely to get a job or a landlord is willing to rent you. So specifically, what are some of the things that SWAN does? So SWAN started out just to um, find out what the people who were doing um, uh, sex work needed. And we go talk to them. And we found out that housing is a crucial issue. So we try to hook them up with housing. And we've actually placed three women in, in uh, temporary housing. 
and one in a motel. She's just needed a few few nights. Um, we also uh, provide uh, harm reduction tools because we're a harm reduction organization. So we work with the Harm Reduction Coalition of Hartford um, to provide needle exchange. We provide condoms. In the winter, we provide hats, gloves, and scarves, uh, Dunkin' Donut cards so the women could and men could get off the street and uh, have a place, a warm cup of coffee. And you know, um, We also have somebody who's uh, a therapist who will work with the people. And for a while, we had uh, Patricia Kane, who is an attorney, graciously devoted her time to represented clients um, who, who were arrested for sex work. Um, we also work with the I'm on the board of the Connecticut Bail Fund, and we will provide uh, bail if if possible. We will provide support by going to court. We will do whatever we can to help whoever asks for it. But they 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 need to ask for it because we don't tell them you need this or you should have this. Now, I'll have to be honest with you in that I don't favor the legalization of sex work because. It's similar to how I feel boxing should be outlawed. I think people without options are just driven to very inhumane ways of survival and to act as if sex work is a victimless crime or boxing is a legitimate way to economically move up the ladder to me are justifications allowing people with power and money to cruelly exploit vulnerable people and the legalization of brutality for pleasure and entertainment of people with money is wrong. Are we on the same page here, or what's your response to My this? My response view? is: I mean, do you advocate, uh, or you know, criminalizing boxers or arresting people who pay to watch box boxing? Um, I, I don't like criminalization of anybody um, in in that field or in sex work. And what it does is harms. No, we're not on the same page because um, criminalizing a sex worker causes more problems and drives them underground. And doesn't let them get the services they need. Okay. So back to my introductory Mm -hmm. comments, I wanted to ask a blunt and even cruel question, if I may. For the overall benefit of society, although I acknowledge some people will be hurt, is there a greater benefit of a larger, for larger society? Like, does a negative stigma of prostitution serve some larger purpose? Does this prevent people from entering prostitution by having a strong negative social stigma? No, you know, because like you said, sex work has been a, you know, around for since time began practically. And no, it doesn't stop them. And they don't do it because they want to. They do it out of economic necessity. So no, no, but it doesn't. It just drives them, hurts them. And it drives them underground more. Now, I understand SWAN is not a libertarian group that argues to reduce uh, the government and to support people's freedom of choice in one's own profession if they're not hurting anyone else. But in some ways, do you agree with that libertarian position or how do you diverge from or disagree with it? So so I'm not a politician, so I really am not an expert on that about libertarians or what they stand for. But I know that SWAN is a harm reduction organization, that we meet people where they're at, and that's all we do, and we make no no judgment. I've read there's a push to 
decriminalize sex work, but that's different from advocating for its legality. Can you talk about the difference in those things and explain where your organization fits in? Well, simply put, um, uh, legalizing sex work is like regulating the sex worker industry. Decriminalization is take the make people safer, stop the violence, stop the discrimination, and let the people come out of the shadows and into society without fear. And part of your work includes pushing back against police brutality, against sex workers, and ending the public shaming of people in the sex industry. What does this mean? Well, in, in a lot of towns, and we've been told that even here in New Haven by, by sex workers, that um, a police officer will either say, you better give us the name of who you buy your drugs from, or you better give me a blowjob, and we'll let you go. And that's happened, and we've heard it numerous times. Not on, then, not only from New Haven, but uh, women in Hartford, um, Waterbury, Middletown, and and that's that's the brutality. Also, the brutality is stings, which you know Chief Campbell stopped them here in New Haven, but they go on in other cities where. Um, one woman said that uh, in another town that she went to, she was on on the street and the car pulled up and she asked the person three times, are you a police officer? And the person said no. And so they had oral sex. After he ejaculated, he, rest, he arrested her. Uh, and also um, on the street, besides, you know, the police, I mean, sex workers are notoriously raped, beaten, uh, robbed, and harmed in, in so many ways. So that's the brutality we're talking about. Yeah, and as you mentioned in your response, back in November 2016, your group, along with other community activists, protested a New Haven police sting that occurred the prior month in October. 14 women were arrested, 13 for prostitution, and one on drug charges. People who are now core members of your group, SWAN, protested uh, at City Hall the practice of releasing mugshots of the arrestees, which were plastered all over local media. As a result of the the New Haven Independent, uh, pardon me, as a result, the New Haven Police Department agreed to suspend its prostitution stings. This was reported in the New Haven Independent by Michelle Liu. That was quite an accomplishment in terms of achieving your articulated goals. What more are you looking to achieve in New Haven? Um, we want to have the woman feel safe enough to come out of the shadows. Um, I don't think that in, in New Haven, and this is specific in New Haven, the police really want to arrest the women. They understand that, that it's survival sex work. Um, I think there's a push, too, to help. They actually reached out to Swan so we could reach out to the women and offer them things it, that they said that they wanted, like housing or to get into a mental health program or to get into a drug treatment program. So, But that's, that's New Haven. Um, we also would like to see um, neighbors in churches, neighborhoods and churches, instead of calling the police, you know, meeting with the community to see how everybody as, as a city, as a neighborhood, as a community could help rather than just thinking that you're going to arrest it away because you're not. Um, people are going to just move to another block. You have to get to the root core 
of why they're out there and that's lack of housing so they're they're trying to get pay somebody to sleep in their house or in their car or uh, mental health problems or there's they can't get on a drug program there's there's this reason why that people are out there so does swan liaise with the police department and with other community groups and shelters in the work that you do we have conversations with the chief, who's very um, responsive to us, and we, we just had one um, with members of SWAN, the uh, Community Health Van, and Cornell uh, Scott uh, Hill Health Center about how we can make this, because it's a, it's a public health uh, uh, problem, and the police realize that, Police Chief Campbell, and we work with them to how we can better serve that community instead of arresting them and not helping them because that's not ever going to solve the problem. You know, people of all different views and backgrounds meet and share their experiences and views on WNHH 103.5 FM Law, Life, and Culture. You're listening to Beatrice Cudiani, Executive Director of SWAN, Sexual Sex Workers and Allies Network in New Haven. And I'm Betsy Kim. Now, Beatrice, you have a very intriguing background your story has been covered a lot on local news, including the New Haven Independent and on WNHH 103.5 FM with host Babs Rawls-Ivy, as well as in the national press. Now, I've read that you've spent 15 years in uh, Danbury's federal prison because you were a Latin Kings gang leader. That was a gang that terrorized New Haven neighborhoods in the 1990s with drugs and shootings. And I find upon meeting you this all very surprising. Can you... Tell our listeners a little bit more about this and how this all happened. So I was, I've been a community activist for almost 50 years. And what, why I got involved with the Latin Kings was because there were, in my neighborhood, you know, there were three kids, that uh, young people, um, who committed suicide. There was a, a rival Latin King a faction war in where they shot up each other at in in uh, Meriden, and I know that from the history of the Latin Kings, they started as a social justice organization. So when I heard all that and experienced, you know, young people dying, and uh, I contacted one of the leaders and asked uh, if they would like me to be a liaison between community organizations and the Latin Kings. And I was told that I should join because then the members would listen to me because I'd be one of them. And for a long time, well, not that long, I, I said, no, no. But then I decided, okay, that maybe I would. And that, that's why I became a, uh, a member. Um, and I've, I set up programs, you know, with Reggie Mayo, having, you know, um, GD classes for Latin Kings, uh, canvassing um, businesses, asking them to hire people so they wouldn't have to sell drugs and just uh we had a uh, uh, john um uh, excuse me uh pastor nick pastor uh, a meeting where we brought yale um and other organizations to the table with latin kings and yale child studies center actually came out to the community to talk to young people who were homicidal or suicidal so do you feel that when you were involved with the Latin Kings that you did not violate any laws? No, I actually, I know I didn't, but uh, that, that's a story that, that, you know, I 
hate to keep repeating, but when they came down, um, there were some people that they arrested who were drug Not Now, let me tell you something. I always knew that there was violence. I always knew that there was drug dealing. But my, I was, on the, there was a board of directors, uh, chair of the uh, um, rules and regulations and director program and char- charter goals. So my position with the Latin Kings was to find to keep them out of trouble, to give them opportunities that they didn't have or never saw themselves having. So, and um, there were people who got arrested for drug dealing and they just said anything they could. Um, and they said things about me that I would go to my grave denying. But so, I had to admit to in court because um, that's a trial penalty. If you take it to trial and you lose, then you get, I would have been buried under the prison. But um, yeah. So, okay. Well, subsequently, after your release from prison, you've become an effective advocate for justice and social change, and you're the managing editor of your criminal justice website, Reentry Central. How did this transition occur? Um, I've, like I said, I've always been been an advocate. So, what what you've seen now is what was I was like then. So it wasn't really a transition. It was just uh, getting out of prison and thinking, what am I going to do to help the people who are still there? And I actually went to the New Haven Reentry Roundtable because I tried for a year and a half to get a job, and I'm relatively intelligent and I have a good work, work ethic, and I couldn't find a job. And then I asked if anybody at the roundtable actually hired somebody with a criminal history, and Dr. Sandy Martin was there, and she had an idea for this website for professionals um, to give bring trending news reports, et cetera, et cetera. And she gave me a second chance. She plopped a job in my, in my lap. She's been a great mentor. And uh, that's how that happened. But I also became involved. I'm one of the co-founders of the National Council of Incarcerate, for Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls. And I'm a Just Leadership USA 2017 Leaving with Conviction Fellow. So it's just a continuation of, of what of I did interest. before. Yeah, yeah. So is there a connection between your spending time in federal prison and your work at SWAN? Um, well, yeah, be, yeah, because there, most of the women, all, and let me say this, all of the women are justice involved that, that we meet. And when I say women's, because mo- we haven't met a man yet, but we know they're out there and we're looking for, for men who do sex work. Um, so, yeah. So was the Latin Kings involved in drugs and prostitution? They were not oh. involved in sex work, but they were involved in drugs. Okay. And so, that's because it, for most of them who were working, um, selling drugs, it was also for economic reasons. So may I ask, what is your experience with prostitution that connected you to start uh, the organization SWAN? And over 50 years ago, I was strung out on heroin, and there were times when I was on the street. And this is personal to me. And it took me over 50 years to come out of the closet on that because there's so much stigma. There's so much shame. It's such a horrible, horrible, horrible life. And I felt that I couldn't stay silent anymore. So my connection is that it's personal. I've been there, done that. Nobody was there to help me or the women out there at that time. And I'll be damned if I'm not. I'm going to keep silent any longer. Well, thank you very much for coming on our program today, and that's very, very brave of you um, to speak to us and also to continue to advocate the work that you do. 
you know, and I, if this gets too personal, you don't have to ask and you don't have to tap into your own personal experiences, but perhaps even talking to the women that you help in Swan or other victims who you do have experience in terms of what they've been through. Can you give us a realistic description of your observations in terms of what sex workers experience it and what it's like to sell one's body for money? It's humiliating, degrading. It's something that you don't want to do, but you do it for... The the people like like me who are on the street, they do it for economic reasons because they don't have jobs. They have... Some of them, most of them have some type of trauma uh, in their life. Um, and, And they think that this is all they can do because nobody wants to give them a hand and help them see that they're... They, they're, they're whole to make them become whole again um, because we're and, and it's very difficult I mean, so yeah let me just say it's, it's humiliating degrading and nobody wants to do it nobody wants to do it you know are there different tiers because people hear about um, Heidi Fleiss or uh, the sex worker who brought down Elliot Spitzer mm-hmm. is there a range or is that just basically perhaps like one percent of people or two percent of people who are actually involved in the sex industry. I really don't know the the percentage but there there are tears but um, you know some of the women who are, were in the news uh, you know do it for also economic for school or forever for, for the lifestyle the women that we work with now are also trying to are just trying to survive they're really just trying to get from day to day, hour from hour, minute from minute. So you think that's the most determinative factor in how people become sex workers? It's a matter of survival. Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, some or, or survival, or or to um, pay for college or pay for something, not because they want to do it, because it, it, there's no really no freedom in, in that either because people think that it's women who get paid higher prices but they have to they're told what to do when to do it how to do it so they really have they you know not that much freedom in their lives either now earlier this month reported in the associate press a man was accused of recruiting three teenagers 14 15 and 16 to engage in sex work Prosecutors allege he took the girls to hotels in Meriden Milford and Hamden where they engaged in sex work with clients. And I understand in Connecticut, minors who are engaging in this work are treated as victims, not criminals. Right. Where does Swan fit in with cases like these and in working with children forced into the sex industry? Well, well first of all, we, we haven't seen any children, but if we did, then then we'd have to do something, you know, we have to step in in some way, which is very dangerous. Um, but we just couldn't I couldn't. I can't speak for everybody else, but I could not. If I saw a child being coerced into sex work, I'd have to say something, do something. But um, we don't see that. The women that we see are doing it on their own. It's not like they have a pimp, although some of them have boyfriends that they support. But uh, there's so they're not really. You can't consider it trafficking because. They're not coerced. This is something they're doing for the, their benefit to either get money for whatever they need. So, but but there's sex trafficking is is horrible, and we we feel that way. Um, yeah. 
And you let me know earlier that you attended a sex worker summit in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. where you met a person from the Red Umbrella Project. That's an international sex workers' rights organization. And this group observes a day to end violence against sex workers each year on December 17th. Are you planning anything for Swan in New Haven to participate in this yes. event? Yes. First of all, I want to say we went to um, to Washington, D.C., on George Soros's dime at the Open Society Foundation because he recognized violence and against women who are sex workers. And he had this conference where um, organization and women from all over the country came to talk. And the theme of it was um, arrests and diversions. Do diversions work? Do arrests work? And, and that's what we did. And Red Umbrella was a, a member from Red Umbrella was there, which is a great organization that started... Um, in the early 2000s as, as an advocacy and organizing uh, organization for, for sex workers. Um, they Every year they have, on December 17th, uh, a sex workers, a day of uh, ten violence uh, against sex workers. And yes, we are planning to have an, uh, an event. And we want to do that um, in memory of two women who disappeared off the streets in 2004-2005, um, Evelyn Frisco and Lisa Lisa Calvo. And we want to bring recognition that, you know, these women are most likely dead. I mean, they, they sent dogs to sniff out her body, so obviously the police do it. And then we talk about, that brings you back to police brutality, because Evelyn was a known... Uh, informant for the police. They told her she had to tell or they were going to arrest her, uh, uh, drug dealers. So she gave her testimony against, uh, well, not in court, but to the police about a drug dealer <clears throat> and her family and other people who are, have knowledge of this say that she, a, a, a detective who was working, at, tipped the drug dealer off and she disappeared. And so, and, 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 Lisa just disappeared too off the street. She was a sex worker. Even with these very tragic stories that you have, has it been difficult to mobilize support and interest in the work and agenda of SWAN? No, surprisingly not. Surprisingly, so when we first had our, our um, a meeting, um, I called a meeting of other activists in New Haven, and people came out in droves. I mean, um, from Yale Public Health. I mean, all, all other. A lot of Yale students, a lot of community organizations wanted to jump on board. And, you know, just people regular, who heard about it said that they want it because they, they realize there's a problem and uh, they want to help. In this question about support, I think many people support protecting sex workers against violence, but they don't particularly feel comfortable seeming to appear that they are supporting the sex industry as a legitimate industry. So where would people with this perspective fit in with the Red Umbrella Project, your event and this uh, organiz- in your organization? Well, if you don't, if you have, if you're judgmental, you don't fit in because we're a harm reduction organization. So if you think sex work is a sin or the people engaging in it are bad, you don't fit in at all. If you have an open mind and say, look, I understand that there's people out there doing survival sex work. How can I, how can, what can I do to help them from getting hurt or to provide them services? 
Yeah, I don't think that it's judgmentalism that people are saying, oh, I don't want to support Swan because I'm judging the people in the sex industry. I think there can be, though, a level of I don't want to support the sex industry in a sense that I don't want legalization of the sex industry and that to, you know, support or look like I'm rallying under some libertarian cause. So that's not really your agenda. How do you clarify that to bring people under your umbrella of sympathy or trying to help people in a productive way that is not necessarily advocating for legalization of the sex industry? Like I said, we're not, we're not, we're harm reduction. And if people come with any attitudes like this is wrong um, this is terrible. This is this should be illegal. This is in, instead of saying what, what can we do to help, then then they should not become a part of Swan. And that that's I mean I can't say that I I come into a you know we we try to educate and, and this program hopefully hopefully will educate people about what's really going on out there and maybe they'll have a change of attitude. So this year the Red Umbrella Project. Fall day falls on Sunday, September, oh, excuse me, Sunday, December 17th, right. this upcoming winter. And so New Haveners can write that in their calendars. Do you have any thoughts as to what the event in New Haven would be well, or where yeah, it would congregate? Well, it's going to be, uh, we're, we're working on that right now. And uh, Chief Campbell said that he'd be happy to support it um, and help get the word out about Evelyn and Lisa. And, you know, so it'll be part vigil part education, part, uh, um, you know, just having people get together and a conversation and maybe people who have some, some negative viewpoints about sex work, maybe they will come and want to be part of the solution instead of just saying that people should be arrested away and, and criminalized. How can people learn more about your organization and get involved? Okay, so we're working actually on a website right now and we will get that. Uh, um, we have had a Facebook page. We have a Facebook page, but it's a private group um, because we don't want people, you know, making any more negative comments and for the sex workers and making them feel any more stigmatized. So, but they can contact me uh, at bcodiani, uh, swan at gmail.com. Well, thank you, Beatrice Codiani, Executive Director of SWAN, the Sex Workers and Allies Network. Thank you so much for having me. And and, um, I hope people will take this conversation and we can bring it to the table and you have more conversations. And I do want to conclude our program with just a personal comment on why living in New Haven has been so deeply meaningful for me. This is an intriguing city with the social activism of people who genuinely care about the most vulnerable members of society. Knowing such people has affected me, making me consider things from new perspectives and in different ways, something which I hope that we shared today and something which I feel has contributed to my own growth in gaining a greater moral understanding of all people, their struggles, and all of our shared commonalities. So again, thank you, Beatrice Codiani, and to our listeners of WNHH 103.5 FM, this has been Law, Life, and Culture, and I'm Betsy Kemp. Thank you, Betsy.